1: Welcome back to
0: The Nero Show, your home of unfiltered cycling chat. Hopefully, the chat you guys are having in your bunches. In today's episode, we are going to do some Fondo do's and don'ts, some insane prizes being given away in the UAE. Is cycling hurting your relationship? And what is motivating you to ride? Is it just your ego? All right,
1: let's get into it. So we were at Snowy Classic Grand Fondo on the weekend and... Rediscovered my love.
0: For, for fondos,
1: yep. by the way. Enjoyed it? Yep. Yes. Don't need
0: off-road. Go
1: on. Mainly for the photos after. There's some cracking. F- you know when you go to an event and they got a professional photographer and you go, Yes, it's different. So while we were there, we did see a few displays, few rules broken, rules made, and we want to go through them. So fondo do's and don'ts. We have potentially broken these rules
0: on multiple, if not oh, all of them. I'm pretty sure I've done all of these in the past. So that does need to be mentioned. But my first one, okay, and this this is something that you're there. you're at the fondo. It's probably like a small town type thing that you're doing it in with this particular one was in Ginderbine. And it's the shopping in your kit that does me. I just feel like that's an unnecessary display potentially. I know there's some practicalities around it that you might be on your way back to the place and all that kind of thing, but just slopping around. In your kit after
1: the... No, just no, no. I broke this one at Barrel Classic. I was there, took the shoes off and I'm walking around in my socks through the oh, woolies and kit the- and just the locals are just looking at your junk going, we don't need <laughs> to see this. I, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Shopping in kit, ideally, bring a change of clothes, change please. Clothes. Spare the locals the yep. site. Yep. Uh, similar thing. Okay, so following on from that, we've got shopping in kit. I also think lingering in kit. I think we need to start a clock once you finish the event. And if you're any more than an hour after you've finished and you're still traipsing around in your kit growing fungus on the chamois, I think you need to bring a spare change of clothes. Just bring a change of clothes, hide them somewhere, leave them in the car and swap them out. It is
0: hard though because a lot of these fondos, and this is one of the things that you know you like about them, is they do set up that kind of village after ride atmosphere and clearly they're, they're trying to contain you to keep you in that space <laughs> To kind of, you know, spend your money on whoever the sponsor is of that particular event. I know this one, like Kosciuszko Beer, was a big one. So they want you there. I get that. I think you've got an hour. Mm -hmm. I think you've got a legit hour after the event. Maybe you're waiting for a couple more of your mates to finish, have a beer or whatever it might be, then go back, Get a just get out of that stuff. You've already put that gear through far too much moisture in areas that just doesn't need to be continually growing.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, take the pro option, ring a change of clothes if you're going to be lingering, and just just relax, mm. be comfortable,
0: be comfortable. All right, now this is this is one that I uh, I have done. now I have a reason I do it, but I think it's potentially it's completely unacceptable, and I will smack myself for doing it. But it is not running the front bib number you meant to put on your bike. The right? frame so number. The frame number, yep. yeah, but it, not like a frame number that you get in the tour where it's this beautiful little thing that you can put in behind the seat post. No, I'm talking about the big, sloppy, eight-digit, you know, your number 6,442 and it's sort of meant to go under the handlebars and that Ooh, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, the
1: big number plate.
0: The big yeah. number plate, you got to put it on. Yes, there are photos of me. I'm not running it. I will put my hand up and say this, that the reason I didn't do it is because I had the GoPro and I wanted to be able to access to be, be able to put it underneath the, the bike computer or on top of the bike computer. So I felt I was I was already overcomplicating the front end of my bike. I realise I'm just sort of... You can talking, make all yeah, the
1: excuses yeah. you want, yeah. but really... Unacceptable. You're doing a Fondo, you got to run the numbers whether it's the helmet sticker or the big non aero f- front plate, it's not in the spirit of the event to not run it so you can save a couple of watts. I mean, because you cannot run it, you're probably not going to get in trouble, but it's just not in the spirit of the event. What I did see some people doing and that I did is instead of just zip tying it onto the handlebars, you sort of wrap it around the head tube of the frame, a little bit more aero, but you're still running it. I think that's okay, if not a bit wankerish, because who cares if you lose two watts from the front number? But that's what I did. Um, but yeah, you got to run it, Chris. That's just... You know. yeah, and you also stitch yourself up, and I found this with
0: the photos, because the, the way the photo thing works is it like it auto detects the number on your frame and that's how it uploads. So you just search your name and your yep. thing. And because I was such a douche and didn't run it, I'm like having to message them and say, oh, it didn't actually have my number on it, <laughs> so can you please send me on that? <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, all 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 uh, all jokes aside, just yeah, put put the front number on.
1: But in terms of the the marginal gains, where are we on saddlebags?
0: Oh, that's a Now, come on. You must run a saddlebag. You must <sighs> run a saddlebag under any circumstances. I've
1: undernod many a time at a fondo, do I take the saddlebag off to save the sort of 500 grams in weight and just run the risk of getting a flat? Or do you run it? So on the weekend, I didn't run it. Now, I did run a GoPro. That's my excuse. But I have been known... And he turned it on. Just to I let did, you know, I did, did have it. I didn't remember turn it on. And at previous fondos, I have been known to not run the saddlebag and just risk the chance of getting a flat. And I will add, I have zero contingencies if I get a flat. I don't know what I will do. I have no spares. I have no plan of what to happen. So far in a grand fondo, when I've not run a saddlebag, I haven't gotten a flat. But I will... Call myself out, that's not. That's really poor behaviour. Just run the saddlebag. It's sort of about fairness as well. If everyone sort of just runs the saddlebag, everyone's equally hampered <laughs> by that. So, yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree with you and go against myself and say you should run the saddlebag. It
0: does come, and maybe we'll touch on this a bit bit later, but not all fondos are created equal like I do firmly believe that like there are fondos that are essentially very much just pure charity rides yep. down the hill and then there are some fondos that that will the week on the, the ride on the weekend was probably one of the hardest bike rides I'll do all year like it was just a full on legit rip mm-hmm. and so yeah there's there is that kind of kind of difference to the whole thing all right so yeah for me saddlebags 100% though I will say right so I have seen one of the riders that you coach who will remain unnameless Remain nameless, I should say, in a previous Fondo, no frame, no saddlebag. And a friend of his who was running a saddlebag gave him his wheel because he had nothing, got him back on the road. And his mate then fixed the said puncture to use on his bike and got him. So it's totally stitched himself up. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, this is mateship that I've never... Yeah. Se- I, I, I have no <laughs> friends like this. I have no friends, but I have no friends like this. It's
1: amazing. I definitely wouldn't be giving you anything. I'd be laughing and riding off hard. Dickhead, didn't put a saddlebag
0: on. Knowing you, you wouldn't have even noticed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Where's Miller? Dropped.
0: Right, whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah, wow. What a friend. Yeah, see, that's, that's not on, is it? Don't bring a saddlebag. Then you're roping your friend into your own mistakes. Not cool. Um, carrying on then in terms of the marginal gains, because there's other ones here that you we, said so we're not really sure. Aero Socks. Running aero socks in a grand fondo to save a few watts, yes or no? Well, it's no. It's no. But it also brings up the
0: question of aero at a fondo, mm. yes or no? Mm. Because I think oh, this, that was Yeah, yeah do you like that? Spit <laughs> and, and Bass. That's <laughs> the, <laughs> the name of the, this <laughs> the title of the uh, the show today. Um, so aero, you know, aero helmets. Are we running skin suits? <laughs> May have done that in the past. Um Aero socks, aero, we, we saw aero um, like arm warmers yeah. on the mm-hmm. weekend. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an interesting one. But then you can sort of turn around and say, well, hang on, you know, you're running 50 mil wheels. Like what are you talking about? So, yeah.
1: There's something to me that's really grating about seeing aero socks. I just just run cotton socks. It's not saving you that many watts. It's not that important. It's just the look of it. I'm sorry. I have don't really have a leg to stand on. I just don't like the look of it and that's me and I don't want to see Aero Socks at a Fondo, even though I have done it in the past. So, again, totally We've done all vehicle. of these in the past, yes. <laughs> but I, I admit my mistakes and I will not be running Aero Socks.
0: What about external support? So at a lot of these events you will have like designated um, rest stops that will be sort of manned by volunteers, etc., and you'll have to... Normally the way that would work is you would have to get off your bike, go in, fill your water bottles up, et cetera, et cetera, get get your gummy bears from whoever was there, then get back on your bike, blah, blah, blah. We saw this a little bit on the weekend of people situated uh, outside of those particular rest stops, family members, mates, who were there to hand out bottles Mm. to said riders. Now my initial feeling to this was I don't like it. But I've potentially softened on it. Mm-hmm. I have softened on it. Like, if I'm just putting myself in the position of those people. Let's say you've, your family has come down, then maybe they do just want to help out on the side of the road and and do that and make your day better. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a proper GCN here, and I'm just gonna sit on the fence. Oh, I am good. I'm GCNing this one.
1: Okay, I'm gonna say I I actually don't mind. It's kind of not in the spirit of the event, but. If you've got a partner that's willing to stand in the freezing cold on the side road to hand you a bottle, fair play, I don't mind. As I was riding past, it didn't bug me. When I looked at a pair of Aero socks, it did bug me. So I'm going to have to go just instinct on this one, I don't mind, the handoffs.
0: So my initial thought for not liking it was because we carried extra bottles. So we packed bottles into our um, jersey pockets to to sort of, I suppose, overcome that thing. Mm. So that was my initial gut reaction was like, ugh, they're getting people to help them, uh. <laughs> you know. But then now, yeah, I've kind of put myself yeah. more in their shoes and that could be me in a couple of years, like somehow convincing Liz and the kids to come down. Maybe they would want to stand on the side of the Probably road and do it. that.
1: Do you want know, to Yeah. So what about then along the lines of sort of tricks to make you go faster, what about purposefully not stopping at the feed zone? So our essentially fueling plan for the event was all contingent on not stopping at all. So we carried a spare bottle in... In our back pockets, and we're going through start to finish, not stopping. Are both of us potentially in the wrong? Like, is that not in the spirit of a fondo to just blast through every single feed zone? Thoughts. This is this is a massive rabbit hole, mm-hmm. Jesse.
0: This is an ether, and I reckon gravel's going to go through this soon as well because you know gra- gravel was like oh, every man's sport, we're just chilled, we're all together, we're all a community, and now Dylan Johnson's releasing videos on how aero his hydration pack is. <laughs> yeah. So I reckon there would be, okay, let's let's think about it. Like the other, the other people that did this and they looked at us and went, oh, those guys didn't stop, what wankers they're taking it too seriously. Yeah. That's, mm. I don't have a defence. Maybe they are right. Mm. We're not impacting their day out, but... Have we turned it, I hear what you're saying. Have mm. we turned this into something it shouldn't be?
1: Mm. It's like almost a little bit of like taking advantage by being a little more prepared than the next guy, which isn't technically, I don't think, in the spirit of a grand fondo. Mm. It's to be hyper prepared so you can just not stop. So but I that, mean, I, I like not stopping, but potentially just saying. But the, under that argument,
0: under that argument, the guy who puts the kids on the side of the road to feed him would also be taking it too seriously. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not against, because I know some of the events in the US, they force you to check in. So you actually have to, you physically do have to get off your bike, go to said like desk and be like, right, Chris Miller t- has arrived. Tick. Oh. And then you continue on. and I know they do that in the UK as well sometimes. so that and that okay. forces you off the bike. Yep. I'm not against that. so
1: borderline because our race was five hours. Mm. If it was if you're getting to six and you're blasting through the feed zones, I think potentially you're yeah pushing it a bit far.
0: I'm interested in your thoughts on this one, definitely. We're gonna keep going on this, but that one, let us know are we taking it too seriously? Yeah. Well, seriously is that the right word? Yeah, maybe. All right, just quickly on the rest stop type thing then. Yep. The dynamic of the rest stop, what about waiting on a mate? So let me set the scenario. You have you have done it, you're doing it with a group, three or four guys, three or four girls. You One of the guys gets sort of tailed off at some point, not far off. You get to the rest stop, you do your, you do your stuff, you get your banana, you fill your water bottles, you're just about jumping back on the bike and in that time your mate's caught up and he's like, oh, hang on, Jesse, just, just give me a sec. Just give me a sec. I'll leave with you guys. And then you're waiting with the other guys, but he got dropped mm. anyway. Like where's where's this
1: play out? I think prior agreement needs to be in writing. What's the rest stop waiting for a mate clause? Just agree to it beforehand. Yes, we're all going to wait. We're going to stay together as a group or fastest time, keep pressing on. I mean how frustrating for the person that keeps having to wait because they're essentially doing more work for the same time as the, as the mate. So I think just agree to beforehand what the, what the rules are. I don't really see either way. What do you reckon?
0: Well, I know what we do and that's basically try and drop each other the whole time. So there would be certainly no waiting. No. at in, in fact, yeah, no. Uh, and I imagine, I think most people would be like that. Most groups of people that do this would have a little bit of kind of competitiveness about them and they want to be the top dog in the group. Yeah, I'm sorry, but it's it's natural selection out there. <laughs> it's natural selection.
1: couple more. Sitting on the top tube on descents. Yes or no? I'm for it.
0: Yep. I'm for it. Um it's like it's like a I feel like it's it's not even the performance thing. I kind of feel like it's um it's a bit of an up yours for you. <laughs> Almost every time I get down and do it in a fondo, I'm like, so what? Who's gonna stop me? Mm-hmm. I just sort of feel like it's um it's kind of fun to do it. And you do, you go faster. It's it is kind of fun.
1: Same. You? I love it. Yep. Totally fun. Never get to do it in an actual race, so you get to do it in a fondo, go for it, go mad, go nuts. Yep. Um, Okay, what about kit dumping?
0: So the kit dump, let me play this out, is that there's variable weather conditions, maybe it was kind of cold for the first half, second half it warms up, and you do the old-fashioned take the jacket off, the leg warmers off, and just kind of chuck it with the theory, obviously, that you will go back after the event and pick it up. (laughs) Now, I know you've done this. I've done this.
1: this before. Yes, I have. I have. I've done it. I'm not really for it. To me, this is in the two try-hard basket. Just if you start with something and you want to be warm, you've got to carry it. If you want to risk it and freeze your tits off in the first hour, you get the benefit of not having to carry that jacket around in the second half. So I'm going to say no kit dumping,
0: not for it. I totally agree. I think part of the skill of the Fondo, Right? The skill of, and we talked about this last week. Four or five days before the event, we're talking, what are we going to wear? Mm-hmm. Right, And it was the topic of conversation amongst us, amongst the people messaging me, amongst uh, other people I knew going down there. It was the only thing people wanted to talk about. What are you riding? Mm-hmm. And I even mentioned it in my Instagram post about I had a really good day out, but I, I nailed my, my kit selection. It is an integral part of the whole Fondo experience. And, yeah, I think no no kit dump. Yep. No kit dump. you got to run it.
1: We can agree on that one.
0: All right, guys, let us know down below your Fondo do's and don'ts and when have you nailed your kit selection, not just like when it's been hot, but like when I'm talking like real sort of not sure about the temperature, have you nailed your kit selection? All right, a couple of weeks ago we talked a little bit about wasting money on the bike, trying to save money, et cetera, mm. which got me thinking a bit about wasting – the cachet you have in your relationship, okay? Mm -hmm. Because let's be honest, cycling can have a, uh, it certainly has a time impact on your relationship. And I feel like some people make, including myself, make some silly decisions when it comes to cycling that just impacts their relationship a bit more than it needs to. Mm -hmm. I think I've described, uh, explained that okay. Yeah. So here's one I was thinking about, all right? So you've got a Fondo. You're doing a Fondo on a Saturday. How about going down to the event on the Thursday or the Wednesday? Mm. I feel like that impacts your week too much and in impacting your week too much is taking you away from your family, your relationship for too long and therefore ruining some cachet you could have. It's, it's a much bigger chunk of your week than it is should have been.
1: Mm -hmm. What about the the day after? So uh, Snowy Classic was on a Saturday. What would you think is the optimal go down, come back scenario? So for me, it's a Friday
0: departure and ideally you're coming back Saturday after the event Mm -hmm. or not lingering around on the Sunday, you're just coming back and getting back Sunday sort of lunchtime type thing. So you're back in and around the family for that for at least a good chunk of that afternoon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a balance. I get that because, you know, a lot of the time you're spending a lot of money to go to these events. So it's a bit like, well, why would I spend all this money and then just like fly in, fly out and not enjoy any of the experience? But I'm just talking about if you're – and you know, right? You know if that, that event is – Oh, he's going down to... Oh, she's going to go down and do that bloody thing that weekend. Oh, God. Oh, I'm going to have to do all this by myself and blah, 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 blah. If that's the chat, then just make it make it a faster in and out, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, what about this? Okay. There's this thing where someone's training. Let's say they, they're consistently training 14 hours a week, for example, and it's kind of draining on the relationship. And your partner's probably thinking, is this what I've signed up for? Is this it? Is this my life now? What's probably an easier sell is just to dial in and and dial back the training. So you say to your partner, hey, a big event coming up for the next six weeks, I'm going to be a bit useless, but I'm I'm fully committing. And then for the month after that, I'm going to cut it back. I'm going to do six hours a week and we're going to go out on Friday night. We're going to do whatever Sunday morning and just be a bit more polarized with when you're training For an event and then really forcing yourself to pull back which is actually the hardest bit is is the pullback post event to give some time back to your partner and i think a lot of people don't do that they're sort of just chronically training and riding the same amount so it's just a constant drain on the relationship so just to be a bit more varied with that can probably is an easier sell to your partner so they know you're going to be a bit useless and they know they're going to get some time back when it's finished yeah i like that one recovery days Mm.
0: now Okay, I don't do them. Yep. I, I, don't, I don't do them. But I think one of the ones, the stupidest ones from a relationship perspective, I've seen this a few times, is you've convinced your partner that, I shouldn't say convinced, but you know what I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, most you, of the time. You, you have brought your bike on holiday. Yep. Okay? So there's already a given there that you're going to take a couple of hours every couple of days, maybe every day, to go for a bit of a bike ride. All right? In that particular circumstance, a recovery day on the bike, like physically putting your kid on, noodling around for an hour to a coffee shop or whatever it is and coming back is such a waste of cachet, (laughs) such an incredible waste of cachet. It doesn't do – it's not physically doing any good to you. And, again, you're just leaving them for this, like, pointless operation. So – Recovery days specifically on a holiday are a dead set out for me. 100%
1: agree. If you're in under a bit of pressure in a relationship, you're going and recovery riding, what an absolute waste of time. I mean, especially cuz if you're just wanting to do a bit of active recovery on a day, you could actually flip that on its head. Go take a take your partner for a bushwalk or something and you score some points back at least, so yeah, I totally agree. I know you've talked about
0: this one a little bit in the past, and I'll just keep it really short. But that podcast ride that you mentioned the other week about just the Sunday, you, you, you later in the day type ride is your kind of favorite. I actually think that's really valuable from a relationship perspective under certain circumstances, because again, it just it not only helps the Sunday, but it helps the Saturday night. Because instead of the Saturday night being the kind of, oh, I'm filling my water bottles up, you know, I've got to get my breakfast out for the, the morning ride and it's probably quite a hard ride. It could be a race, could be a crit or something like that, that you just forget about it. Bikes just aren't mentioned on Saturday night. They're not a thing. Mm-hmm. Bikes aren't even discussed on Sunday morning. They're not even a thing. And then as things quieten down in the afternoon, you pop out. Mm-hmm. I just, I'd really love that one.
1: Definitely. Oh, that's, you've brought up a good point, like, this sort of the creeping in of the preparation the day before is almost just as bad as the actual ride itself because you've got, like if it's a Saturday night, you're going out, maybe you're going out for dinner. Okay, we're going to talk about, oh, I should, okay, we're going to get so much shit for saying this, but like maybe I shouldn't have a couple of drinks because I got the ride the next morning, but it might be a bit more fun if you had a couple of drinks. So maybe, you yeah, you probably would enjoy your Saturday night more if you didn't have that Sunday morning ride. And it's that, it's not just the time away, it's the impact that could have the night before which the afternoon ride solves completely. So if, not that we're encouraging drinking, because that seems to be like the golden goose on YouTube is not drinking, but anyway, let's not go let's down. Let's not go down that rabbit <laughs> hole. Um if this is said, if this is said at your Saturday
0: night dinner, right? Um okay, let's let's use alcohol as an example, all right? But um are you are you drinking are you drinking this evening, Jesse? Will you be having a beer this evening, Jesse?
1: Oh, I'm right. Thanks. Yeah, I got to ride. Tomorrow. So no, no, don't say that. Okay, just say sorry. just say
0: no. No, I'm right. Thanks. And then your partner turns to the other people there and says, "No, Jesse's riding tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> if that is said, you're not riding tomorrow. All right. <laughs> just it's little 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 things like that you just don't
1: need oh, in your life. God, shoot yeah. me. So just a real random one. I've seen two separate occasions of insane prize money for events coming out of the Persian Gulf from the UAE. So we've got first one was the winner of the Abu Dhabi Grand Fondo, which was earlier in the year, the prize money for winning that Grand Fondo, 120,000 Australian dollars and very generous, even stepping down from that. I think it was like 120, 70, 50, all the way down to 30th, like even 20th place was still getting a couple of thousand dollars. For a grand fondo and that's one of the ones that is part of the uci series it's like a legit grand fondo be wearing aero socks in that you bloody would well it was it was flat as well so there's that factor i don't think like what are we missing here why did we not go and fly over and do that and it's just so much money so the person that won it was gregor bowl so he's an ex-pro um some of you probably recognize his name so he won he lives in dubai so strong rider but then going down the list, it's no one else I recognized. Uh, so I'm not sure how strong the field was. And there was another weird thing that was going on there where he was uh, listed as part of a, a local team. And there was a few other riders on that team that I recognized. So Cohn Vermeltfort, who rides for Volker Wessel's continental team uh, over in Europe. He's a Dutch guy. And then Eva Slick was there, also riding on the same team, winner of Unbound. So I'm not sure what's going on. But there's something there where it looks like Gregor Boll is potentially rigging up his mates. Now, those two aren't eligible for yeah, prize so money. Yeah, so I was about yeah. to put my hand up and ask Yeah, this. so I will say those two aren't eligible for prize money because if you're a Conti rider or you're a registered on a Conti team in the two years prior to the event, you're not eligible for prize money. So they're not getting anything there. But what I think is potentially going on here is Gregor Boll local guy, he's eligible for prize money because hasn't been pro for years. He calls up his strong as hell mates and forms a team. They rock up, they win, plenty of cash, and they split the prize money against them. It's brilliant. It's a stroke of genius. Um, so, yeah, huge prize money at that event. And I'm thinking, can we get to this next year? Like, it's Jesus. I, I don't know if there's some rule that excludes foreigners from prize money or something, but it looks too good to be true. So then the other one that's popped up prize money. MyWoosh has their championships coming up at end of April, start of May. 1 million US dollars total prize pool, evenly split across men and women. Let me bring up the actual prize money you can win. Did you say 1 million dollars? Million oh, no. okay. US. So in the category 1, if you win the overall, 10,000 US dollars if your team, so you pretty much just get to self-select a team. If your team wins category one, 42000 US dollars for the overall. So you win individual GC, you win the team's class and a couple of stages along the way, each stage is 1000 US dollars. I mean, you could be splitting 60, 70, 80 US dollars amongst three or four guys in your team. $1,000, it's, yeah. it's, it's nuts. And that's prize money is for cat one, but it's also very generous. There's four categories all the way down there. So I'm thinking like, do I need to get the trainer <laughs> Set up yeah, again wow. and have a crack. It's it's crazy money. There's there's a little bit
0: going on there, isn't there? Like it's funny. We were talking the other day about like oh we should we should pack the show up, go somewhere, sort of meet and greet some people. Where would be some some great value for the show? Right, the Middle East, I reckon. I reckon that's <laughs> yeah. that's where that's seemingly where it's all happening. Though, can I just quickly so that um, event that you were talking about is was officially termed a grand fondo we gotta, we got to do something about these naming, this, this whole like the naming philosophy of what's going on in cycling because that's a grand fondo with like a massive prize pool and, you know, essentially pro riders at it competing properly as they should be. And then like what we did on the weekend was also a grand fondo. where We're saying don't ride in Aero Socks. And then there's events that slop around um, at the Tour Down Under, there's the booper Ride, which is like it's a charity ride at 25 k's an hour, which is also called a Grand Fondo. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, in in Italy and in France, uh, the Grand Fondo scene is, is like a is like a semi professional league almost. Like it's a proper thing. Whereas yeah, over here it's, it's not quite the same. Definitely. So I don't I don't know what we we need a name. We, we
0: need a new name. Yeah. We need a new name. I know. Are um, we are
1: we doing more? Would you consider what we're doing more sportive? Yes. Not really a grand photo? Yes, yeah. I think
0: that... So in the UK, they're big with the Sportif yep. name and I think that's that's where we should head here, mm-hmm. definitely.
1: So, Chris, can you put up a bit of um, rear GoPro footage from the Snowy Classic? Because this is just a the, the audience needs to know pig rooting because there was some pig rooting action going on. So for those that don't know what pig rooting is, let me explain. There's a few parts to it. First part is... The grip on the handlebars, it's not your standard grabbing of the hoods. There's there's an outturning of the wrists and an outturning of the elbows, part one. Part two, you're in the box and you're sliding a bit further forward on the saddle. Part three is a jerky motion of the pedal stroke and the bikes coming back and forth, the result of which is what can only be described as a pig rooting and it's this sort of action. And so we can put the GoPro footage up. But Chris was hitting the pig root. It's an big optical time. illusion. Optical like illusion. It,
0: it must have been the frame rate was out, I think, and it just was like skipping as I was pedaling. Because I have a very smooth pedaling stroke. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's horrendous, isn't it? Like yeah. and what's I think it's maybe it's not just me. I've seen I've yeah. seen other people do it. But pros never do it. No. Like even when they blow or they're on the limit, they never pig root. No. And like
1: it's just yeah, it just—I don't know why. I'll say there is a bit of a there's a bit of a Zwift uh, indoor rider sort of action. Sure. Well, that to doesn't it. explain me, but doesn't yes. explain you, but it is a common amongst the indoor community. Also, potential mountain biker influence. There's a bit of kind of you're a bit further forward and you're kind of over the front that sort of action. So there's a bit of mountain biking to it. Um, but yeah, just for those that aren't aware of you know, what pig rooting is. Uh, you are, have now been informed. It's just horrendous.
0: Yeah. Like it really is. Like you think of yourself when you, even when you're on the limit or something, you're like you're this sort of athlete, yeah. and then you see vision of it, and it's just, it's not attractive. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Where
1: That's, did that one come from? That was I think that was must have been a trip up the Hume Highway with a van full of NRS riders one day. The the official pig route. No, yeah. no, no, no. So the the, the the the
0: the birth of the pig route was uh 2020 team camp when we did a Barangari smash and there was so a selection after about a kilometer of uh, Dylan, myself, Jay Ben Carmen. And I'm hanging on there at the back and then like after a K this thing begins to happen on the fourth rider, which is me. And, yeah, the, the camera, Luke, I think, was videoing at the time and it just sort of zeroed in on me and it was particularly unattractive. And then you've got sort of Vine up in front spinning 100 RPM cadence, like just doing his thing, riding away. So, And it was like so obvious. Like the difference right there was just like this thing occurring and this other.
1: Actually, I think that's what kicked off your craze of, Changing your position on the bike. There was quite oh, no, a few always, bike bits oh, that came from that. Because that was a bit of an existential crisis. You had you like, shish. That's that ain't pretty. Something needs to be done that's,
0: here. That's that's all been <laughs> that's that's been there since day one. It's never been a fitness thing. It's always been bike fit. Oh, yes, it's okay. Just, I still haven't got it right, Jesse. Yeah. Still haven't got it right. Yeah, yeah. It's not attractive. Do your pig root? Let us know down
1: <laughs> below. <laughs> Tag a pig rooter. Tag a pig rooter. <laughs>
0: So I rode a pro team kit the other day, the day after Tade one. This is this is your pro team. This is your pro cycling update. Uh, Tade Pogacar won Tour of Flanders. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I've got on him. There you go. Um, and so I decided the day after to ride a UAE kit because I have one. Okay. Wow. And full kit, full mm-hmm. kit. And as you do, took a took a couple of photos of myself, thinking, you know, I was a bit funny, you know. There I am, the day after Tour of Flanders, and I got, I got, I wouldn't say a lot of messages, but certainly over twenty on Instagram, questioning me riding in a protein kit. Mm-hmm. I thought that was done. I thought. I thought we were we were well beyond this, but clearly it's still it's still a thing for a few people. Look, now to be fair, most people were getting in contact saying, Oh, awesome to see you riding the protein kit. I wish I had the balls to do that as well. Which I kind of thought was funny, like in the sense that they were afraid to wear it because people would think they're in the kit or they or they're in the team, or anyway, I'm not going to go too far down the mentality of it, but I'm a firm believer in Pro Team Kit is perfectly cool. Are you you on board with that as well?
1: Yeah, I don't have a problem with it at all. I mean, go for For it. it. I thought it looked sick. Taddy wins RVV and you're in the kit. The only thing is there are rare but examples I have seen where it goes beyond the kit and suddenly it's the matching team bike and the matching shoes and the matching helmet. And you're kind of looking going, are they legitimately involved with the team? And now in the examples I can think of, they're not. But they've bought so much of the stuff that they really look like they're trying to trick you into thinking they're on the team. So I think there does cross a a barrier where you've taken it too far and you look like you could be on the team, which I'm not a fan of, but just wearing the kit, go for it. See, this is
0: interesting. All right. I have a slightly different take on this, but I do agree that there are certain circumstances where the pro team kit is not acceptable or just maybe keep it in the closet on that particular day. All right, here we go. have got a little list for you, all right? Mm-hmm. So the first one is for me the world champs kit or the national kit jersey is off limits. Agree or disagree?
1: I disagree. Interesting.
0: So yeah, you're, you're love-
1: happy? Uh, yeah, i don't, I'd love to rock the world champs jersey. So you'd run That's a fun. Plappy,
0: Ineos... Aussie champs kit.
1: I uh, no, this is gonna sound so arrogant. I probably wouldn't because I'm quite good. So it's kind of no, that's fair. If, but if you're like a just if you're clearly not the Australian champion and you're just a punt, full punter, I don't have a problem with it. See this, oh, this God, that's gonna sound so no, dang. no,
0: no. I think I think that's totally fair. Okay, I mean you raced yes, the race with him yes, this year. Yeah. I I. I totally hear that. And this is why I wanted to bring this up because it is – the waters are a little muddy. They are a little muddy. I personally um, – I mean I'm not at that level but, but but my mentality is not that I would be seen as there. It's more that Plappi's earned that jersey – and do you know what I mean? And therefore it's not for me to run, maybe. That's that's my mentality. Maybe
1: in the Australian, maybe wearing the Australian champs in Australia, possibly. But if you like just wanted to rock Remco's World Champs kit, uh go for it. I just don't that's, it's so far true. removed yeah. it's it's not even
0: Actually that's that's a fair point. I yeah. would yeah. I would consider running the full Remco kit. Yep. Yeah. actually. Or like a I'd love to have run like the Hulher Aljandro Valverde Past like a past kit like that. Mm. Big fan of like his movie star kit when he ran it. Yeah, all right. So maybe maybe sort of a little bit GCN on the fence with that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. What about this? What about this? For me, it's full kit or nothing. So this is a bit against you, right? So it's full kit. So I had the jersey and the bibs. I didn't have the socks, but it's it's upstairs downstairs. It's not mismatching. So I don't want to see like liquid gas shorts. And a lotto jersey, that type of thing. I'll allow just a plain bib short, like a black bib short or something like that with the jersey. Mm. But not mismatching teams. Not mismatching.
1: Yeah, I was going to say because sometimes, like because bib shorts are more expensive than jerseys usually. So if you're just buying a team jersey, you're going to have to run mismatch. But yeah, if it's a plain black and and a team jersey, I'm all for that. I I do
0: disagree with you that I would love a full UAE winter kit like the full tights oh. or like a full um, a full Alperson, yeah, winter jersey, all the rest of it, the bike starts to get a little bit mm. frosty for me. I think that's potentially like the, the, the threshold. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm, I'm allowing that. The other one was when you wear it, mm-hmm. okay? So training rides, all good, blah, blah, blah. I do feel like there's a couple of events where the pro team kit is potentially a little bit unacceptable like maybe at like national championships you can't just pull out the UAE kit and stand next to Jay and say like you're riding for me today mm. um but things like a local creek yes or no Yep yeah yep. I'm allowing that Yeah yep Snowy classic
1: Yep any it's just any any anything where the pros aren't there I'm for yep. it but if you're at the tour down under, in the days before the event or even during the event, ah, uh, that's where potentially. Oh, I'm still for it. Mm. Yeah, no, nah, I'm still for it. But I could see someone being like, "I well, don't wear pro kit when the pros are here." Yes, a bit, uh, I, I, I,
0: I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not, allowing it. But yeah, I would question it <laughs> at tour down under. The the crit thing's interesting. Like, I kind of find would it have been funny if I was wearing the UAE kit? at some of those hefrons and, like, you know, uh, Lockie Morton's there and um, Caleb's there and they're like, okay, what's the story with this guy over here? Like I kind of feel like there's potentially good. But that would be awkwardness for me. It like wouldn't that's even just be awkward. Me. It would just be a laugh, kind of, wouldn't it? Do you reckon? Yeah. See, I, d- I do think it would be kind no. of funny.
1: I mean, you, actually, the funny thing is you couldn't even do that because if it's not a registered state club kit, ah. you have to wear plain black kit. This so technically true. you can't wear a fun jersey because it's against the rules they say. So,
0: last question on this. If you're going to go buy a protein kit, are you going to buy it because you think the kit looks good, they've got the they're your favorite team or they have your favorite rider?
1: All of the above. Okay. I could imagine all of those reasons. The only thing with if I was buying the kit, I would say buy it from the brand that makes it. Buying a fake 100%. kit when you're trying to support a team, I think it's a no-go. Like if you want to support the team, buy it from, if you want to support UAA, buy it from Pissy or whatever it is because they're sponsoring the team. So you're better off just putting your money there. Don't buy an AliExpress Ineos jersey. It's just not cool. Buy the BioRacer one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I'm not sure all the brands do. Well, maybe they maybe they do. I need to double check Well, that's check on them. That. If they don't yeah. do
1: it, they're missing a buck yeah. and everyone's running the AliExpress version. Yeah, they big should time. put a bit of pressure on them. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. What do you think of our yes or no on the pro team kits? Let us know down below, guys. Looking forward to seeing the results. Right, we're in the the deep and meaningful section Mm. of the pod, Jesse. This is the stuff we throw at the very end. Lower the voices, coming a bit closer. closer. Let's go. We do get a comment quite a bit from people um, saying something along the lines of, um, you guys really motivated me to get out on the bike. You guys have inspired me to go and race et cetera, et cetera, which is just amazing to read. It's it's literally keeps me and you motivated to do this a lot of the time. But it got me thinking a bit about what actually motivates me to do my bike riding. I feel like it's clearly it's not one thing. It's mm-hmm. definitely not one thing. Have you got some thoughts on your own motivation before I get into it?
1: I'm really event or race focused. I'm kind of like my year is basically just events and then I'm just like swinging a rope in between them. And so, yeah, at any given point in time, if I'm not six or eight weeks out from an event, which is clearly motivating, then all I'm thinking about is riding to not lose too much fitness so I can then start prepping for the next event. So I'm very much event-focused, fitness-focused too, just cuz I don't want to lose too much fitness and that's I'm pretty basic in that regard. The only thing is and my wife will tell you this if I don't ride I just mm-hmm. I'm I mm. I don't know. <laughs> I it's just not not like I'm I just have too much energy and just riding keeps me it's I I've just done sport for so long I I need just to have that outlet and it just keeps my mood high. And even if it's 45 minutes to an hour and I still have my rest days, I'll still have two, three days off a week if I'm not specifically training for something, but I need to keep riding. I just not, I just, I'm a, I am can't even expl- I no, no, can't explain, I actually can't explain it. I'm, I'm just a mess if I don't exercise.
0: So, some of the some of the topics we talk about here, we, we write things down. This is not one we've written things down on. And I'm annoyed you just said that because, yeah, okay, let me explain. I've thought a bit about this. hmm and I wanted my answer to be, I just love cycling. I just, I just love being in the outdoors. I love I love all the aspects of it. I love training and fitness. I actually think the more the more I thought about it, the actual motivation becomes the the per the person that I don't want to be when I don't ride. I hate that, Chris. Like he is really. He's a, he's a shit to be around. Like, yeah, I'll do rest days and stuff like that. But Elizabeth's the same. She's like, go for a fucking bike ride, Chris. <laughs> like, you're annoying. And I don't like that person. So a lot of the time my rationale to go out on my bike is actually to avoid being that person. I know that's not great mm. an answer. Like, people will be like, you've got a problem. Mm. Yep, I know oh, I've got probably. a problem. Um, it's it's not something I'm super proud of. Um so I did. I did think a little bit as well, and I do use. So I do use things like, for example, I will watch the Tour of Flanders and be inspired then to go. I'm going to go go on my bike this afternoon because that looked cool. Like, yep, that definitely is a thing. I've used that as motivation in the past, and um, I use like a, a a training program. I definitely use a training program as as motivation because it just. Gets me over that. Gets me over that hump. Less and less is the social aspect. Again, people probably won't like me saying that, but it it just forms less of the part of my my writing because it maybe it comes back to that addiction thing that I just don't want to be shitty, Chris, when I get home.
1: Mm. I was going to say in terms of I, I agree in terms of what writing is for me. Like, why do I ride? I agree in terms of the social aspect. For me, that's not a reason to get on the mic. And for a lot of people, that is. They're going do the Saturday morning ride and they're doing the Tuesday morning ride. It's a social thing. For me, it's not at all. I'd happily go for a month and not ride with anyone and I'd still be just as motivated. So that the social aspect isn't really it for me. I guess I'm kind of someone that just... Almost as if they're just going to the gym. You, you rock up, you do your session, you go home. It's not its not a social thing we, We've
0: mentioned this in the past, but... Comp- like cycling is a sport for me it's not a hobby i need the competitive aspect and that might even be just a pace line like i i really fall into this that's not a trap i actually quite enjoy it that after i've done an event i will tend that i've trained for and want to do well at i will fall into this routine of doing like the sydney spec training program which is just like do a couple of pace lines a week and maybe maybe a crit and it's just pure adrenaline competitive buzzes like Matching yourself against others. That's that's literally a motivation for me for weeks mm. after after a training block, definitely. Yeah. Have you ever watched anything on YouTube or anything like that and gone, shit, yeah, I'm going to get out on the bike?
1: Nothing really comes to mind. Stra- I, Strava, I use Strava a lot. I'm a big Strava. I have a big ego. Like I try, I, I like to think I'm quite humble, but like I have a big ego ego for writing and a lot of what you'd probably call like self-efficacy. Like I really think I can do a lot of things. I try not to be cocky, but I have a lot of confidence in myself. And I think that's another aspect that plays into it. That just, yeah, I just, I'm writing because I'm not going to lose all my fitness and I'm going to be freaking good at the next event. And yeah. that's just, okay. I'm going to not take too many days off.
0: Yeah. Just on the content thing. Like I'm the same. I, I rarely watch something. And go, yeah, shit, that's, that's inspired me to get out on the bike. But clearly it does. And so I'm gonna, we're going to make a video from the Snowy Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to set that as the challenge for us when we make that video to be, okay, well, this is the idea of doing this video is to inspire people to not just do that event, but do an event. Mm, you know what I mean? Definitely. Like, oh, shit, that'd be cool. Love to do that. So yeah. that's a challenge on us.
1: Actually, I will say... I not that watching a pro race motivates me to get out, but I do use visualization. Like for example, when I'm in an F if I'm doing a training effort, I will literally visualize like I'm in the tour de France, riding up a climb, or if I'm doing an effort on the flat, I will like in my head almost visualize I'm, I'm in a race in Belgium on a flat stretch of road, rolling turns, chopping off. So the visualization aspect helps me get training done. I definitely use that. It's probably not like getting me on the bike per se. Yeah.
0: That's why the the reality shock of watching myself on your wheel the other week was just like I'm because I'm visualizing myself as like climbing the the Alps like at the <laughs> front of the tour with you know because that's what you're doing in your brain and then like you see the actual reality of that and you're like, oh God were you happy with that yeah, I was kind of happy with that so let us know down below guys motivation for for riding be honest like I feel like a lot of us like to think we're doing it for. Wondrous reasons, but maybe maybe it is just ego that's that's getting <laughs> us out there. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching. If you are listening to us on a podcast player, make sure to leave us a review. And if you're on YouTube, whack the like button. We will see you next week.
1: Uh, uh. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better?